to Tectonic Takes. This is actually a special part two podcast that we're going to do with Quincy Ameriqua. We got to cut a, a little bit short. Um, Quincy had some important things to do, but let's welcome him back in. What's up, Quincy? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm happy to be back and uh, glad we were able to get something on the calendar quick and, and go for part two. Yeah, we really so, appreciate you coming on. Thank you for your time again. Um, we totally understand that you could not make the first part all the way just because of the black players for change meeting that you had and we appreciate all the things you do in that regard thank you awesome right. i appreciate it guys yeah and we, we do want to reiterate that fabi and i not just as members of this podcast but just as soccer fans and people that we completely support that all these movements that are going on within the u.s soccer uh, system and in a greater scope involving uh Bridging that gap that still exists in our society between uh, people of color and everyone else and making sure that that we make important strides to so that people do have the quality that we've been searching for for so long. Awesome. No, I appreciate you guys saying that. And um, yeah, I think I think what's required is having conversations and being open to the idea that you might be wrong. So like. I think we talked about a little bit in part one, right? I really appreciate the work you guys are doing and I, I think it's really important. And um, yeah, I'm happy to, to continue the conversation for part two. So let's see. All right. Well, All right. We're get right back into it. Um, I have, we have a couple of fan questions throughout the podcast. Um, so we'll go ahead and ask you those. And we also have some questions that we made. Um, so we'll go ahead and ask you those as well. So the first one is, Basically, we have a fan question. Chris Nguyen asked, because we were on the topic of UC Davis, what's yeah. your favorite eating spot in Davis? Oh, man. People, people ask me that, ah, but I got an answer. Hunan's <laughs> Restaurant. Hunan's Restaurant. Like a five, oh, nice. $5 lunch special that was bomb. It's like, um, I feel like it was like a noodle, noodle chow mein, rice, you, rice, uh, like a a meat, you know, you, you, what was it? It was honey. Oh, now put me on the spot. <laughs> the, sesame chi- the sesame chicken was the one that I always went to. So it was like sesame chicken, steam rice, but you could get fried rice as well too. Uh, noodles. You got uh, you got this salad. It's like like a super san- standard salad, but the the dressing they put on it. I don't know what it is. It's like, it's so good. <laughs> that's, it was five yeah. bucks. Five bucks. It's like five, depending on what, what you got. It's like anywhere from five to like six twenty five. If you wanted to get super fancy, they <laughs> yeah. had, uh, it was like a, a pecan. Walnut prawn. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like some yeah. Oh. Yeah. or something like that. And then uh, you got uh, like a fried crab cheese wonton and, and tea and, and wow! So, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, especially in college, you know, like money was uh, hard to come by. So when you could get, <laughs> right. yeah, when you could get yeah. a, a bunch of food bang for your buck, I, I always liked Hunan's restaurant there. Um, mm. Yeah, that's my go-to. Right, uh, and especially as a student athlete, you have some only so many hours of the day. You spend a lot of time 
at games and practice in classes gotta get sleep as well so having places to go to where you weren't spending a lot of money it's something that all students can appreciate but it yeah. does go under mention sometimes uh what student athletes go through yeah i, I guess you don't I guess the beauty of the beauty of youth, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, the whole ignorance is bliss when you don't know and you're just surviving, which is basically mm-hmm. what everybody's doing, right? You're trying yeah. to figure out how to survive. Um, yeah. I guess when you get to, to the other side or far <laughs> enough in the process and you can look back, right. You can also go like, yeah, man, there's okay. There's a lot of stuff you have to learn and you have to manage and you have to get through. Yeah. Um, and figure out how to make work. So, um, having said that, those are also some of the most fun times, you know what I mean? Right. Like figuring it out, not knowing you, you don't know you're young, you're enthusiastic. You're just like, all right, I got, I got $5. Let's go. (laughs) Right. Or I have $0. How do I get five? You know? So, uh, yeah. And then how do I pass my class and how do I stay asleep, uh, stay awake, but how do I keep a social life? How do I prepare for this? So yeah, right. to your point, bringing, guys are bringing, bringing back the memories, man. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Yeah. For me, I, uh, since I graduated UC Davis in 2017 and I finished my master's program at San Francisco state university at 2019, it doesn't feel too long ago just yet where I was living that college lifestyle, but it does really stick with you and you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot, not just through your classes, of course, but in every part of life that you interact with the people that you surround yourself with, it's an incredible experience. And to wrap up the food question for me personally, it's a three way tie for me. Uh, When I was craving Mexican food, I loved Taqueria Guadalajara. And I was craving pizza. Woodstock's pizza was great. Uh, and that, okay, yeah, that was that was a lot of people really loved Woodstock's pizza. And I was trying to think about it. I was like on the spot. My go-to was the Hunans, but a lot of people really love love Woodstock pizza. And then lastly, uh, open rice kitchen. Just all sorts of Asian foods cravings were satisfied there for good prices, and I maybe had boba three or four times in my whole life before college partially Uh due to open rice kitchen i had boba at least a a few times a month sometimes multiple times a week (laughs) in uc davis so (laughs) i didn't uh i don't think i ever went there um i'm trying to think the first time i had boba That's what it's called, like boba? Yeah, yeah, Boba tea. The boba is technically the jelly thing inside the tea. The tea, right? Yeah. The tapioca Mm -hmm. ball, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First, I think uh, the first time I had it with Aaron Flowers was, uh, he's my friend, obviously. (laughs) I was thinking teammate. I was going to say, oh, he's my teammate back in, but he wasn't my teammate. He was just, (laughs) we were both uh, exercise bio majors doing pre-med when we were at Davis. Oh, wow. Um, so we spent a bunch of time together, obviously. Um, and we also, oh, we started a, our production company. We we're music producers in college as well, too. So Q&A Productions. So shout out to Aaron on that. Um, <laughs> All right. We recently brought back some of our produced music and put it in some of the content that we're posting on, on the BPC stuff because we oh. need to have free music. Yeah. Well, I mean, I own it. So there you go. Yeah. Put that on. So shout out Aaron. Uh, we went to Hunan's plenty of times in college. 
but I think that was the first time I ever tried boba. And then I, I lost touch with boba for a long time. <laughs> but then I ended up having boba again when I was back in San Jose, my second stint. Because oh, wow. Right. Aaron was working for Kaiser. So he's a podiatrist now. Or he's not he's not in San Jose now, but when the second time I came back, he was uh, he was doing his what was he doing? He was doing his um, residency. Um, mm-hmm, okay. Around what was that? 2017, 16, 17, 18, and then I got reintroduced to Boba again. So uh, <laughs> see, there you guys are tapped. Uh, yeah, are tapped right. connections. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. at least now where you in college, you were a music producer. At least you can use that audio engineering to make your podcast, right? And to do things like that, make content. So there's a lot. There's a lot of skill sets and stuff that I learned uh, while in college, learning to survive. And just because <laughs> it was just fun, and I was having fun with my friends. Right. Like, okay. Fun story. Speaking of that, uh, like I said, my goal has always been to be the greatest teammate of all time. But it hasn't been. It's been whatever industry or thing that I'm a part of, right? And I'm in. And I think what I'm extremely good at is. <laughs> is the same thing that I'm extremely bad at, which is seeing unlimited potential in everybody I'm looking at. Right. So that's great because it's like, yes, we can do it. We're going to, we're going to create Apple. We're going to create Amazon. Right. It doesn't matter. We can do it. But it's also like, that's a huge weakness as well too. Cause like, okay, we're everyone always all the time. So like, totally understand. Yeah. That's been where I'm at. But the reason why I say that is um, in college, uh, Aaron had, had, not had, not only had, but has a very talented ear. Mm. And he, I could see that he was really good at music. And uh, we, we would sample songs. A lot of songs that we were sampling and beats and music that we were making ended up becoming like uh, songs that were sampled by major producers several years later. Yeah. And we'd hear them on the radio. So we'd be talking about it. Like, oh, remember when we sampled that song like 10 years ago, 11 yeah. years ago? Um, but I was basically... And I, I wonder, I wonder if he remembers the conversation. Uh, I basically told him, I said, "Hey, listen, I think you're amazing at this, and if we do this for like ten years, you, we're gonna make it. So I'll just <laughs> quit. I'll quit right now, and I'll support you in your music career if you make the decision right now. I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm on board, bro. I, I believe in you. We can do it. That's so we were doing all that, but we were doing, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, pre-med, and basically the practical decisions, like, listen, we didn't get to Davis." And going for medical school, you know what I mean? Yeah. Going pre-med to go become doctors, to drop out and become music producers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, we've, we kind of tabled it and we just have fun and do that. And the thought and idea was like, all right, well, once we're done and we have that, we can always come back. So now this is my way of looping him back in on that and seeing right. if I can bring those memories out of him. Yeah. You know, make him want to get back into the music production game because that would be fun, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Well, yeah, I'm at the part of my career where I'm like, hey, hey, let's do hey, it. Let's go. I get to have fun. <laughs> um, I, I myself was a music producer, so it's easier to do the audio engineering for this podcast because I already, it's like it's like clockwork. So that, that's what, how do you, we, what do you use? What what um with DAW? Sorry. What what um what DAW? I use Mixcraft. Mixcraft. Oh, okay. Wait, um, were you on Fru- Fruity Loops FL Studios? Well, we started, we started on, yeah, FL Studios and then what, oh man. Okay. Again, tapping in, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, last time I made a beat, right? That was when I was in Colorado. I do that for fun <laughs> in my time. Um, Audacity a little bit, but yep, that was okay. just kind of like to like, to mess with samples and stuff. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Ableton, it's Ableton, mm-hmm. right? Live. Yep. 
Yep. Ableton. Yes. I like that one the most. I got, I got pretty heavy into that one. And then, you, mm. you know, you got all the kits and all the, all the plugins that yeah. you can buy. And yeah. Yeah. Like, and then spend weight trying to justify spending like hundreds, sometimes yeah. thousand dollars on like. On these, on these yeah, studios. Yeah. <laughs> yes, contemplating downloading them illegally off of like torrent, but not wanting to get like mm-hmm. a virus. And right. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Quincy All right. does his stuff. <laughs> a little bit, bro. A little yeah. bit. The Q and A, bro. Questions and answers. All right. Yep. Next question. So uh, you you talked a little bit in part one about your heritage coming from Germ- German, Nigerian, and Native American ancestry. Uh, how has your ancestry? become a part of who you are today Ooh, that is a loaded question and we can <laughs> anywhere so are we answering this philosophically or like it's an open forum um answer it how you want it right <sighs> yeah it's up to you that's like open pandora's box then huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah we do feel like it's important because it, from a soccer perspective everyone is given a FIFA nationality and it's easy to put everyone in those boxes, but especially in multicultural countries, such as the United States, everyone draws something from other places too. That is a very, that is very true, but not everybody sees it that way. Right. Right. And I think this is why it, this is why I either, you're a fan of mine and you get on board with me or I turn you off immediately. And like, you're denying yourself the the Quincy time experience, right? Because (laughs) it takes time, you know? And that's the thing that I think everybody dislikes the most because we want everything right now, right now, right now. What do you, what are you, what's a category? I want to understand who you are based on just whatever label I want to put on you because it makes it easier for me to ignore you or make justifications for why I'm okay with this or not that we're hypocrites at the end of the day. Yeah. Right? All of us. We're just walking hypocrites. We're, we're ignorant of something at all times. We think we're right because, because we do, you know what I mean? We have our skewed perspective. We have our, our beliefs, our limited beliefs, our, who we are. So basically what we're talking about is identity when I'm setting context for yeah. this. That's what exactly. Philosophically, because there's what I identify as and how I see myself and what I believe myself to be and how that's influenced me. But I also am who I am based on what other people assume about me based on their preconceived notions of who I am when they show up and look at me. So that's kind of a loaded way to answer your question, right? I'm not naive as to people aren't, aren't the biggest issue that most people have when they interact with me and see me is they don't know what box to put me in. Yeah. And because of that, it makes it very difficult for them to justify why they put me on their team or they have me a part of what they're doing Mm. or trust me, right? So it's like, is he Latino? Does he speak Spanish? Is he Puerto Rican? Is he Samoan? Is he Mm. native? Is he black? Wait, he's African. Hold on, you're German. That doesn't make sense. So it takes time to explain to people. And most people don't want to give you the time of day to allow you to explain yourself because they just want to know and they feel they have the right to know because mm. they asked. So I had to learn to survive understanding that from where I came from. Mm. And most people don't understand that, 
which is why they don't understand how difficult they make it for people who don't look like them or come from where they come from to be successful or to to get opportunities or to have that access to equity, uh, equity you know, and the right. equality that everyone says and puts on a bumper sticker. But when you when you talk about the process of how what it takes to make something equitable, most people don't have the time, the will, the energy, the passion to put the work to make that happen. Because mm. it's way easier to just put the bumper sticker up than it is to create the entire infrastructure systems and processes to create the factory, employ the people, create all the processes to get right. the, the materials, put them together, then package it up and ship it to your house so that you can peel it and put it on your car. Yeah. That's people, yeah. So people say, oh, well, I bought it. I peeled it and I put it on the car. And I'm like, the tens and thousands of human hours that went into getting to a point to where you just had to click a button, take a bumper sticker, put it on the car. Yeah but you'll take all the credit for all the work because you put it on the bump, you put the bumper sticker. So setting context, right? <laughs> that yeah. is the thing that I believe is of most value and most important in terms of saying, I can see both sides. I understand why people don't want to do the work to make the bumper sticker. They just want to buy it and put it on the car and feel like they're doing something. Right. right. Um, but there are the people that have to do all the work so that you can click the button and put the bumper sticker on. And if you're the person who did all the work to make it push button easy for someone to put the bumper sticker on, I can also see how those people become very bitter and unwilling to like compromise mm -hmm. on anything because mm -hmm. they're going like those, those who didn't do that work can't understand what they sacrificed and what went into making it push button easy. Right. right. So I think that's very relevant and relative because we're talking about relativity, a lot of stuff about <laughs> here in outer space, right? <laughs> to the point in time, I believe we are all going through in the human experience, right? We're trying to find a relative common thread. And I think the pandemic has, has, has humanized everybody because we're right. it's a common shared experience that we can all refer to now collectively. So I think it's like a paradigm shift of like humanity, consciousness, all that stuff. I, I think that the, what we're talking about in this as well too is very um, relative to in terms of, hey, how do you identify yourself and how is that, how is that manifested based on your history, right? Mm -hmm. So the label you're given is when you're born. So you're born into the world and you're told what your heritage is or you're told or you're lied about what your heritage is and your history is or you aren't told at all, right? So someone tells you, Someone tells you it's accurate. No one tells you. Uh, yeah, I just went through the three things right there, right? So you guys are following what I'm talking about. Okay, so sorry. Uh, the, the main goal and point is, like, but maybe you don't identify with what is there or the world you're existing in doesn't make sense as to the story you've been told up to this point in time. So now maybe you're going into the world to do your own research to figure it out, or maybe you're doing no research because you don't care. Mm. Like everyone has their, op their, their choice. Yeah. And all of our choices and decisions manifest themselves given enough amount of time into the world that surrounds us. Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm, again, the reason why, before I answer the question, I set context for many, many things. Yeah. Cause I understand that I don't in this moment know who will ever watch this, who will listen to this right. and what their worldview is, what their experience is, where they come from, how they identify, how they've been treated, what they think of themselves, what they think of others. 
up to this point in time, right? Right. And if the context I set doesn't account for all the potential people who exist today and all the potential people who can and potentially exist in the future or already exist right now, but is just outside of our awareness and consciousness. Like yeah. if you're someone who believes in multiverse theory and yeah. other worlds, Okay. So like we can go real deep. That's why I say it's the conspiracy. I like it. <laughs> um, that's why yeah. it's so massively important to set that context before now we're making this box. Right. right? Or a box in. Cause I, I realized and understood that my history and my experience and being the firstborn told me I am all of these things. I'm okay. multicultural. I'm across the world. Like, there isn't, there's, there's very limited perspectives and information and, and identities that are part of my identity in my history, as well as where I am today in my personal experience. Right. So, but I would interact with people who denied my experience based on what they perceived me to be from their own perspective in that moment. Hmm. And have you had that, like, let's say on, in a, in your professional field, have you had that in soccer? Have you, have you ever experienced that? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. And like, do you have an example of which one kind of like really hits you? Uh, it's like, it's like death by a thousand cuts. Mm. So I've had, I've had over, so the first, most people immediately go to race, right? Like, okay, well, have, right. you had, uh, have you had experiences that have been, have you had experience, negative experiences due to the fact based on the color of your skin? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. But, the main thing that I like to make sure I set context for as well too, for the individual who believes that nothing has to do with race because people right. exist who believe that. Right? right. I say, I say to that individual, look, I don't want race to be the reason why I don't have an opportunity because mm -hmm. that is something I cannot change. Right. So the last thing I want it to be, the one thing I don't want it to be is race. I want it to be, I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough work. I don't know enough things. I'm not intelligent enough. I'm not smiling at the right time. My tone isn't correct, mm. right? These are all things I can work on. I can improve. I can change. I cannot change uh, my complexion, yeah. right? I cannot mm -hmm. do that. And then if we're talking about relatively in person yet, there isn't someone who's developed that technology or they have and I haven't found out about that yet, right? Wow. But mm -hmm. on, on the internet, that is no longer a factor. Right. right? So someone can create an avatar of themselves and operate. And that's what I think people of color are, have learned hmm. because you go, you go out in the actual world and everyone tells you that race has nothing to do with any of the reasons why they're treating you the way that you do, but there's just a lot of stuff that isn't adding up. Right. And they're telling you you're wrong. So then you have to think you're crazy. You're doubting yourself. You're doing all this but maybe here I'm over here on the computer and I'm testing new ideas and I'm doing new things and I'm AB split testing stuff. And when I have a black picture up, no responses, no nothing. When I put mm -hmm. a white picture up, I get responses. You get what I'm saying? So like yeah. there's ways in which we can test and see these things. And you're going like, and again, to the individual who thinks race never has anything to do with it, or we're always using race to overcorrect or all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, well, at the end of the day, I don't want that to be the case. Hmm. Right? Right. Right. And then when I say death by a million cuts, most individuals understand that race is a huge issue. One that you either avoid talking about, which 
proves the point of it being an issue. Yeah, and it's a exactly. Or one that you don't think is worth talking about, or you think, ah, it's just small. It's just little things. And that's where I said it's death by a thousand cuts. Right. Because if most people don't think anything has to do with race ever, but the mass collection of people all believe that, and you're the one individual who, who has the microaggression, so you've heard microaggressions and micro thing, micro experience from every single person in your experience over time mm-hmm. in that system, relative to the people out, the people here, yeah, there is no racism or there is no discrimination, there is no, mm-hmm. but relative to me and my individual experience, my yeah. whole experience has been denying of access to things that I see of abundance around me that mm. my peers have access to, but there's no pathway for me. Mm. But the people who are looking at it tell me, well, no, it's because, you know, you don't understand or you're, 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 you're too emotional. You're too this, you're too aggressive. You don't right. have enough personal. Okay. So my aggression is okay on the field at the right times, but not in the right direction. Not if the, not if the ref is mad at this person at this time. Okay. I can speak up, but not unless someone who doesn't look like me gives me permission to speak first. But if nobody else recognizes that or knows that, then relative to me, I can't have a conversation with somebody because they can't see my experience. Right. So I say all that to further say that these conversations and giving me this, giving me this opportunity to, to speak and to share and to be open, right? During a time where people for the first time in my experience have ever been open to receiving this message and considering that they might be wrong yeah, is why I'm so grateful. I think like what you guys are doing is massive. I think it's amazing. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And I, and I really appreciate it. And I, Thank and you. I just, yeah, I, I just don't, I, I understand why people don't understand why this is such a big deal and why it's so important to some people because it's going like it, it hasn't been your experience. Right. right. And unless you think all the people complaining came together and are having private conversations and meetings and have been for 50 years with outside of your awareness, strategically talking about lying to you about an experience that we're having that you can't see at what point in time does it not sound, we're not the crazy ones. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So again, yeah. it's relativity. I think that this is just the time where we're all coming to that collective understanding as humans. So yeah. um, that is my answer to your question as to, <laughs> how I, you know what I mean? Like how it impacted me and influenced me. It's done so in such a manner that for me, I believe it is extremely important to set context for everything that we're doing and what we're talking about here, understanding the access that everyone has to take video content, audio content, and chop it down and chop it up, chop and screw it and make it sound and look like whatever you want. Right. Like at all of this, you can take everything that I'm saying out of context and make me look like the worst human being ever. Yeah. Or you can make me look like the best. Right. Right. Yeah. And I guess that's the point that I'm trying to make. Like we're all of it. I'm a horrible person. Sometimes I'm an amazing person sometimes. And like, that's human, that's human nature. That's where we are. And if you kept me at the wrong time in the wrong place, it's just one sliver of experience. And if you're making your full and complete decision as to who that person is, 
and who and every other person who might kind of look like them to you for the rest of your life. Like that's where I'm going like, Hey, that's, that's where it's not equitable. That's where it's not fair. It's saying like, Hey, relatively speaking here, you're not giving enough opportunities to prove yourself wrong, to be so certain about what you think of the person across from you who you've spent invested zero time in. Right. And yeah. So love this man. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is great. Yeah. I'm, I'm a hundred percent sure that all of our viewers are going to, our listeners are going to love this because we, we brought this up in a couple of our podcasts. So this is just perfect as well. Um, and we appreciate you talking and so in depth, that's perfect for everybody to understand that doesn't understand. So we appreciate that. Um, all right. So we got another question for you. Uh, so growing up, you probably watched a lot of soccer. You followed the different leagues to various extents. Uh, which leagues slash clubs did you follow and support growing up prior to your professional career? Okay, so this is why, this is a huge reason why my professional career has been exponentially harder than it needed to be. And I know that <laughs> now. I didn't understand why it was so hard for me in the beginning. And it's because I didn't watch any soccer growing up. Oh, I didn't wow. follow any teams. I didn't Whoa. have a favorite player. I was not interested in anything other than just playing soccer because I enjoyed it. Right. And the way I learned the game was by learning to, uh, to get to the level and pass the level of the people that I'm playing with at that particular time. Yeah. So when I right. show up, I'm the worst in whatever level and world I'm on. But what I, I, got really good at and got hyper focused on optimizing for was learning from the players around me what makes them good what makes them bad how to exploit i think we talked about the first one right yeah each mm -hmm. of thinking in a system of play that's why my my whole brand msl mental strength league i'm thinking of the mentality side of it um and breaking that down and then exploiting those exploiting that i can i can better articulate what my process is now i couldn't yeah. then i've been working on my communication over this time uh but uh, the, the point is I, sh I show up, I'm the worst. Everyone sees me as the worst. So they've already made that decision in their mind that I'm the worst player. Yeah. I, I figure out how to survive and stick around long enough to learn. Then I eventually get good and I raise to the level of the players around me. And then I eventually, uh, beat them. Then that means the right. next level sees me at the end, like at the last moment. And mm -hmm. then I get brought to the next one and then I'm the worst. Same thing again. That's my process. So I'm, I'm always at the bottom and then I just keep making my way up. Yeah. Right. So in that process uh, of just playing the game because I enjoyed it and I loved it and because I'm just extremely, extremely competitive, I want to win. So right. fun to me is winning. So I'm, I'm, I'm figuring out how to win and shout out to Dwayne Schaefer at UC Davis, right? The thing that he would mm -hmm. always say in college that resonated very much with me is learn to win, right? Learn to win. Like most people, that's not the way to play. It's not the beautiful game, tiki-taka, this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. The name of the game is put the ball in that net more times than you put it in mine. Right. I don't care if you score 15 goals on me if I score 16. And I don't care if I only score one goal hmm. and the game is ugly and, oh, you guys don't like it, I win. Right? So right. if I think mm -hmm. you can tiki-taka me, then <laughs> no. 
no, no, we're not playing that game. I'm messing that up. We're not playing that game today. We're playing the game that I know we can win today. Okay. You're weak mentally. You're weak mentally. Great. We're playing the mental strong game today. <laughs> you, can't, you can't, you can't hang physically. Okay. It's just a battle today. Oh, you're a forward. You're, yeah, I know I'm a forward, but no, I'm defending you today. You're this, you're the center back. I'm the forward. I'm defending you. What, 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 yep. No, because I know I'll disrupt you completely to the point. My outside midfielder is going to be able to create to cut in and shoot and bang a goal on you. And I, I'll have nothing to do with it. No one will see me. I won't be on the stat sheet, but I know, and you know, it's your fault. You're yeah. the reason why we, you lost today and you're going to have to go home. And you're going to think about it. <laughs> Next time I play you, I'm going to ask you if you remember, and I already know the answer because I see it on your face. Yeah. You don't want to play today. Go tell the coach to sub you out. Yep. <laughs> like you're injured. Yeah, you pulled your hamstring. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's the game, right? That's the game we're playing. So my point is that was my process through the system. By the time I got to, uh, so background, I think I'd mentioned in the last one, right? I played high school soccer. I was yep. on the JV team. I was on the mm-hmm. JV team my first year, uh, did very well. Then I made uh, varsity my second year. Right. Didn't play at all. Mm-hmm. Like so, like I said, you're starting out, and like people see you how they do, and you just make your way up. Okay, great. I get to senior year, no recruitments, no scholars, no scholarship offers, no nothing. I just assume I must not be good enough to play soccer. That's okay. Uh, my plan was to go to UC Berkeley because uh, I got in there academically, and I was going to try to walk onto the track and field team because I had the pole vaulting record at at Liberty, right, at Liberty oh, wow. High School. Now, wow. It wasn't until the last game of my last tournament in my club career that we made it far enough. I think it was Nomads tournament was the tournament that I was in. Hmm. And uh, I was a 16 year old senior. So I was young. So, cause I'm Nigerian, you start, everything starts early and right <laughs> away. So 16 years old as a senior. And, um, uh, and we make it far enough in the tournament that we have a game at like nine o'clock at night on Sunday. It's a lot. Like my last game. Right. Yeah. And, uh, Two coaches, one of which is Dwayne Schaefer, happened to be at that game, recruiting the next year out and watching the defenders on the other team. And in mm. that game, I got seen and brought on a recruitment and offered a scholarship in that one game. And wow. my, yeah, the perfect soccer brand, what we talk about when we wrote our first book, The Perfect Soccer Player Blueprint with Ross LeBeau, his was the complete opposite. He did everything he needed to do. He had 25 recruitment offers when he's done. I did everything wow. that you're not supposed to. I did it the way you're not supposed to, right? But I made it. So, like, I'm talking about how I was always at the bottom. I make my way up. And then at the very last moment, yeah. I kept up. Okay. So, I go to Davis. I'm there those four years. By the time I get to my senior year, I have a very, I think, 15 goals my senior year. The bicycle kick goal, goal of the year, all that kind of stuff. And I eventually get invited to the combine. Right? So, that's the first time I ever thought of professional soccer and, like, watched it or even considered it. Wow. Right? It was when mm-hmm. I was there when that when during that time so now i'm coming into the pro soccer space and world and i know it's kind of a long backstory to my yeah point. that's fine because mm-hmm. at this point i did not know how disrespectful i was being to all the guys around me in mm-hmm. not knowing how world cup works how champions league works how english premier league works they could show me their hero their soccer hero on a piece of paper or on the you know what i mean on the phone or say their name like who <laughs> i have mm-hmm. no idea who you are talking about like wow. zero frame of reference so like if that's how i'm showing up into the professional world right 
no connection, no understanding of soccer culture, no person I'm looking to that I'm emulating my, other than I'm talking about like, Oh, but I know this kid I played with back in Bakersfield, California, Tony. Amazing. They're like, what? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> no one, no one I played with played beyond no one, no one I played club with went D or one. I think one player of mine went D one. He came Stephen Cunningham. He came uh, for my club team to Davis, but nobody played with at Davis made it pro. Mm. Right. So, Besides so you. yeah. Yes. So I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Network, don't know how agents work, don't know how soccer works, don't know MLS, don't know anybody, don't know players, don't know anyone. You know what I mean? I don't know anything. Yeah. So when people are trying to talk and connect with me, what do we connect over? I'm not right. watching. I'm not interested. I'm just interested in learning how to beat you in training today. That's what my focus mm-hmm. is. And everybody in general, right? I won't say everybody, but I'll say in general, the idea is more like this guy doesn't get it. He's not going to last long. So no one's necessarily mentoring me, taking me under their wing, teaching me stuff. So to my point, it was exponentially harder. And I didn't know why then. I just mm-hmm. knew that, wow, this just must be pro. You know? It, was, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it makes sense. Pro should be hard. Right. Right. So that's where ignorance helps you. Like we were talking about earlier in college. Yeah. Well, when you don't know, you're just surviving. You're doing the best that you can. Right. Now that I'm here, I look back. I can see how hard that made it for me. I now have a much better understanding of the game, right? People, mm-hmm. players, but, but mainly because it's players I've played with over time and right. continue that, that approach. So that is my, long, yeah. my long-winded answer to your question while also setting context and understanding, like, I guess, understanding the role I played in making it difficult on myself. Yeah, this is great. We get to learn about the player who you were and what made it your drive to actually do better every time you get to a team, which is evident with every team you do make a big impact, at least enough to sometimes make the playoffs as well. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, on a little lighthearted note, we're going to go to uh, some quakes, some quake stuff. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, these are basically you're, we're going to ask since we are quakes podcast, we're going to ask some quakes questions. Um, what, let me go ahead and start off. I'm going to go ahead and say, what was the first impression of the San Jose earthquakes when you arrived the first time? Oh, okay. Yeah. So I can, I mean, I was setting you guys set in context. So like I said, either people are on board or they're like, uh, someone's got to shut up. I'm like, "Eh." (laughs) I'm in your head. If you're telling me to shut up, I'm in your head. Thank you. MSL. (laughs) (laughs) I win. I win. (laughs) In your head, you go, God, oh man, I wish this guy would shut up. Then I win. So we played a game. We're playing a game. You weren't even aware we're playing, and I won it. <laughs> In your head. Uh, so, so the first time I'm coming to, so I could tell a couple of stories, but yeah, the first time I'm with the San Jose Earthquakes and I sign with them, I'm, I'm impressed, though knowing what I know now. Yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been. Okay, <laughs> so we're at Buckshaw Stadium, right? Which is Santa Clara's uh, Santa Clara Stadium. So it's mm-hmm. college. So mm-hmm. not, yeah, it's rent. It's basically rented, right? Um, mm-hmm. Means we don't really have a locker room, but we ha- we have a locker room, but it's very very small. Basically, like the size of the bedroom I'm in right now, not wow. this outer space that I'm in, right? <laughs> um, but that's bigger than the locker room I had at Davis because I didn't have one. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I got a locker room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have a kit man 
who right. washes her clothes. And I'm like, yo, this is a <laughs> I don't have to wash my own clothes because I really usually didn't because I was too lazy in college and you just wearing the same stuff. Maybe you're washing like once a week, right? <laughs> and no laundry. Yeah, no laundry. Like, I'm not paying for that. Nobody. Five, <laughs> that's how you. Kunans or wash these clothes. Nah, I'm African <laughs> style. I'm washing it in the sink. Hang dry it. The number of people probably look at me as me do that. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Quincy, Quincy would wear his old game uniform so you get some more separation from the defenders. Is that what you do? <laughs> That's the advantage that I can get, I'm taking it. And when you can learn to just like not care what people think mm-hmm. of you, it gives you a huge advantage. And I, right. I have the mental capacity to, to focus on other things, right? Test new ideas. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, so I was looking at it like that. I was like, <laughs> hey. This is pretty cool, you know? I'm at Mariani's Inn, which is not the greatest of motels. It's basically like a Motel 6, like a mile, two miles up the street with not the most favorable people living in the place. But, hey, it's affordable. Right. And it's close to the stadium. And I can just, you know, I can take a nap. Then I can drive back to Davis and I can finish my classes and keep going to school. So, for me, I was just like, yo, this is dope. I'm paid. I'm paid to play soccer. Um, I'm figuring stuff out, uh, whatever. But I would hear, obviously, I'd hear a lot of guys, you know, moaning and complaining about this isn't good enough and that isn't good enough. And I'd be like, to me, I didn't understand why they were complaining about it. Right. Right. As obviously, as you, okay, oh, this guy played in Europe and that guy played here and he made yeah. you know X million dollars and all that. Okay, I get it. That makes sense. Like if you're used to that standard, but I'm, I'm like the standard for me is always increasing it's not a whole lot but it's whatever like that's how i'm looking at it right right Um, right. so that was my overall like first impressions just kind of like being a part of it and then i'm just like all right the fans are dope the the atmosphere it's just like it's cool like at the end of the day you're being paid to play and i'm thinking like yo mls is going to be huge like nfl mlb in 10 years i'm thinking about building a business and 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 owning an MLS team one day and like, this is great. Cause now these are things that I can improve when I own a club mm. that will give me a le- an advantage over. You know, so I'm looking at it as data collection and experiences learning. Right. That's right. how I'm looking at it. And I don't fully understand why other guys are approaching it the way that they do. But I also have to recognize that, well, a lot of them have a lot more than me. So they must know something I don't know. So that goes into alignment where I'm saying like, I, I don't, uh, I don't think I know everything. So I believe I know everything, obviously, right? Like that's your, I believe I know a lot and I believe I know I'm good at what I do. I believe in myself, but I also am, I believe I'm wrong about things and I'm open to the idea that I could be wrong. So like, I'm very confident. I believe I'm right. But the moment I have information data to let, to show me that I'm wrong, I'm like, all right, cool. I was wrong. I apologize, but now I'm right. Cause right. I understand it. Right. And that's something that most people love and hate about me. Cause it's just like, whatever. So there was that. I can okay. keep going on other stuff. But <laughs> that was my first. That's good. Those were my first things. And that was like my first kind of introduction. And I didn't know all that kind of stuff. Uh, that was the first time I ever saw 5e2. So, Ooh. yeah. So, like, I was like, what is this? What game is this? They're like, what are you talking about? This is 5e2. And I'm like, what are the rules? How does this <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to play and I'm shielding in, the, in it. 
and they're looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what? <laughs> they're like, what? Don't, wh why are you shielded? I'm like, because my touch wasn't good enough yet, right? Like, I, was, I was trying to do, I was trying to play, I was trying to figure it out, but I was, I was losing the ball and I kept going in the middle and I'm like, yo, I'm going to shield. Fine, here, I'm shielding. The guy in the middle can't get the ball. You kick it this way. Cool. <laughs> like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a target forward. What's this game? I don't know. And I'm like, I'm sick of going in the middle. I, I, no. <laughs> so, I'm done. So that gives you context as to why I like Definitely. Brand, everything brand new. And I'm just Massive like, shift. Oh, so much. I remember, <laughs> I remember one of the very first training sessions. We're playing like 11 v 11, right? And my only focus, mm -hmm. uh, my only focus is like, like I told you, win, score goals, score mm -hmm. goals, win. Okay, beat your defender, turn. Every time the ball comes in, turn. You're good at it. Just turn, right. go to goal. Turn, go to goal. Turn, turn, goal. That's it. <laughs> so that's what I was doing, right? So mm -hmm. there, and I, uh, Yallop goes, Quincy, lay it off for the midfielder so he can join. And in my brain, I was like, what? Mm -hmm. I remember in my mind, I said, why? I didn't say it to him, but in my brain, I was like, why would I do that? I can turn this guy every time. He's terrible, right? I'm like, going to go to him to join in? What? Obviously, I understand now, right? But at that time, that's where I was at. So then I'm trying to lay the ball off to this guy, and I, I, don't, I don't have enough practice at that. I haven't done that. So I'm like, losing the ball. And that's where I had a real moment with myself where I'm thinking like, Maybe I'm not good enough to play pro because I can't make this like four yard back pass to this dude. This is super hard for me, but this is the easiest thing for everybody else. But the things that are really hard for everybody else, I can do really easily. You know, right. like turning guys, holding up the ball, bicycle yeah. kick, all that. That's easy to me. Like, that's fun. That's why I play the game. These like short passes, back passes and all <laughs> that. I was like, what? This, this, is, this is terrible. I don't enjoy this. Right. Uh, but then you learn what pro is and most of pro is doing all the stuff that you don't enjoy. Yeah. And mm -hmm. That's why you're paid. That's mm -hmm. why you're paid. So mm -hmm. that's where you learn quickly. Oh, this is no longer fun. This is a job. You can have fun doing it. You can find joy in it, but the number one thing at pro isn't, isn't fun. It's that's going into like what being a professional is and why I caution yeah. kids who want to be pro the reasons why you love the game and you fell in love the game, with the game are the things that people will use against you when you go pro. Those will be the things that they take away from you and hold over your head. And, and the pro experience is not the youth experience in the, that. It's, it's completely different. It's a job. And the guys who understand that have a chance of making it and having a long career. The guys who don't, don't have a long career. And that's just kind of how it works. Right. Um, but yeah, that was, those are, those are, that's like where I started and that's what it, so hopefully most players probably start, are starting farther along than I was, yeah. even when they're here, like, wait, hold on. You made it 11 plus years in MLS and you're still playing and you, you didn't know what 5v2 was and you couldn't make a four yard back pass. I'm like, yep. <laughs> Everyone thought, and you didn't know any pros and you didn't know any players and you didn't know how negotiations work you didn't know agents you didn't know world cup you didn't know nothing none correct didn't know anything none of it okay you're still here yeah. and yeah. that's yeah. the mentality and mindset and that's what i've been teaching and sharing with everybody along the way
it takes time to learn, or at least you got to listen to me for a little bit, but definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. So what was your favorite goal you scored while playing for the San Jose earthquakes? For the earthquakes, I'd have to say the chip goal. Yeah. I was nice. there. Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. I'll give you the backstory on that one. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we're playing. I don't know why specifically uh, Dom gets mad at me, but he's mad at me for something, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's mad at me, but I, he's mad at me for not doing well or doing what I'm, whatever he's wanting me to do, right? But I'm also mad at myself because I'm like, I'm not. I think the one thing that gets most frustrating as a player is like, most for the most part, you know when you messed up. Mm. The coach like calling you out for it and saying that doesn't necessarily help you but I do understand why coaches do it. Right. So like Mm -hmm. I messed up, I don't know what it was I did wrong or whatever it was, but uh, Dom got pissed off at me and had some choice words for me about what he said, but I wasn't in the mood and I wasn't having it. And I basically, I, I, I said something to the effect of like, leave me alone or, or yeah. uh, I'm trying to think of specifically what I said. It was very like dismissive and it wasn't respectful. Right. But mm-hmm. that's what I felt the energy coming to me. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Be quiet, right. And I could tell that really pissed him off. Right. <laughs> to the point that he went to the bench. So he's definitely probably talking to the assistant coaches about we're getting him, you know what I mean? We're taking him off at halftime or whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh crap. Okay. So then that's where I was like, all right, get, get your act together. Let's go. And then I, I went and picked up that ball at, Thought midfield brought that went up out there and then shipped it and scored <laughs> and then i could see dom just going uh at halftime at halftime when it's walking off he's like oh geez okay well i was like all right cool i'm not coming off <laughs> so i did something good not to do that so uh no that was that was fun that 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 would be yeah that goal would be the the one that stands out most we had a fan question um i apologize i'm forgetting the name right now but they wanted to know were you aiming for the, for the net? Were you, is that a for sure shot that you knew you were going to make? Yes. The moment that, the moment that like most pros and players will tell you, like you get into the zone, you know, mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. time and some players can stay in the zone for a lot longer. Right. There's moments in time, literally moments in time where you're in time and everything is slowed down relative to you. Yeah. And everything is just coming together. So for that one, each sequence and each step and each touch that I was taking, um, it was kind of like hyper focused and it just kept building upon itself. Cause like, right when I picked up the ball, I was like, Oh, it went right where I want it to. Then I touched mm. it and right at the angle I want to Then the angles of, of Chara coming back is right at the one that I'm wanting to. And then second touch comes out and I can have a look up. I see Quarces off of it. Then I'm looking at it at the angle. I'm saying, okay, I can go for that back corner. Right. And then when you're coming up and hitting it right when I hit it, I immediately, that's why I started running off to the side. Cause I was like, yeah. that, exactly where I wanted to put it I'm leaning because I'm going like don't you dare get a finger to that and it hits the post and it's like oh the goal that almost was yeah you know? and mm-hmm. right slapping his fingers at it and just misses it and smacks it in it I'm just like yep let's go let's <laughs> go uh yeah that was a, that was a, that was a good one so that one yes um mm-hmm. trying to think of that was probably one of the, I want to say, top five goals in Quake's history. I mean, just on pure kind of skill. I think that one was, was it, did it, I'm not sure if it even won goal of the year because Atlanta was just stuffing the vote, right? That's the problem. <laughs> it even went Atlanta goal. Fans just stuffing. 
I think it won gold. It didn't yeah. win gold week in MLS. Oh. You want to talk about the U.S. system? Yeah, that didn't even win goal of the week, let alone goal of the year. But that was goal of the the week and the month on all the international soccer channels across the world. So, yeah. wow, it's because yeah, so. they're they're fan votes, right? So, I mean, I think maybe Atlanta just made it a tap in win for their own player, like Adam Yon tapping or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember who won that. Who won the week? The weekly one specifically. Yeah. I know the Colorado, the Colorado Rapids dude, the left, was, is he lefty? I forgot his name. Uh, <laughs> he was a DP. He scored like a free kick goal. Oh, I, it's, it's leaving my mind, but I, I think that you're, okay, so you're saying that that one possibly could have won goal of the week. Well, no, I'm okay. saying, that one, I know that one won goal of the year. Oh, the year. Oh, oh, Kellen Acosta? No. Mm, no. No. I I know I do remember that I do remember that. Um, All right, what but was uh, yeah I, for the clip in the part one we put the the goal that you had for the Cali Classico was that was that a nice goal that you had? Which one was that one? Um, where you turned and then you hit the ball in the left corner uh, against the Galaxy. I think it was in Carson. Oh, that was um, Gerard's. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Gerard, was it Steve Gerrard or was it yep. Lampard? It was Gerrard's game against you. Okay, yeah. So that was his, like, um, inaugural game or whatever with L.A., right? And then yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Game. Yeah, no, I like that. Assist from Sana Nayasi, and then exactly. the other one, the tie was going to try to take that shot, and I told him to leave it, and then yeah, the second one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those were fun. Like, uh, yeah, scoring goals, man. Like, <laughs> playing. I, I, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy I enjoyed that, but I think what I liked most was uh, May, the back heel Meg on Robbie Rogers in that game. So, mm. no. yeah. yeah, so a bunch of like I remember all the little times where I'm Megan people. I probably remember yeah. Yeah. anything else. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess I guess the main thing is like no one gives me any credit for any of my skills or anything like that. So like, mm. no one's talking about they box you in. Yeah, bro. Like oh, he's just a hard worker and athletic i'm like okay yeah that's it whatever as long as you guys give me an opportunity and a chance fine I'll just ignore all the other stuff that i'm doing right okay mm. cool that's mm-hmm. uh but yeah those are the ones that i th- those are the, the ones that i i remember and i always like shouting out but the make mm-hmm. like i made piatti love you love you piatti mm-hmm. yeah bro make this, mm-hmm. make this man was so juiced the smile on my face when that happened that was when i was with montreal yeah went straight up to the top of the office and went to the video video guy. And that day he had the camera facing the other field by mistake. So, oh, I know. Yeah, so that's why I'm always hitting up like, Ken, uh, Ken, uh, Daniel, oh, man. All the guys in Montreal. And I'm just like, hey, never forget, bro. That's why I'm as well too. All right. Did anybody on the field when you did the chip? Did anybody be like, "Oh my god!" Like any of the players that you, Tara <laughs> or anybody, say like, yeah, well, most of them. Were, yeah, most of them were just like, you have to just like Hurtado's goal, right? Yeah. Like even when it's scored against you, you just kind of got to go like, when he's running by, you go like, that was, that was pretty decent, bro. That was pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> like that was pretty sick. Like that was that was a good one. That's good. Yeah, I think I mean that was that for sure the best goal I've ever seen live. I mean, you you got you got me as a fan, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> like that. 
We went, we went crazy. I was like, I couldn't even believe you shot that. I was like, what? <laughs> All right. You got to take risks, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> try it. Like, whatever. It's the worst thing that happens. I miss it. And then what? Everyone forgets. Right. <laughs> right. But it probably influenced you a bit that you kind of knew you might have been coming off at halftime anyway. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, typically, like, when it's, like, dialed in, like, ooh, okay, let's, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's show why you're here. Right. You're All right. Like, I, I, like, I like pressure. I think mm. a lot of players, a lot of people don't like pressure. Like, I need it, to be honest. Like, that's what I really understand about myself and know about me. Like, like almost like I'm almost like a masochist. I'm, like, creating difficult situations for myself on purpose. <laughs> I know that's what I need to motivate me to to do great things or to try things or to take risks or to do whatever you know yeah. so like um yeah the 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 experience of a professional athlete is like it's a roller coaster and like the things that you learn about yourself and the things that motivate you and how you have to learn to motivate yourself once you've accomplished certain <laughs> levels of success mm. like that's what's most difficult about it. Most people go like, oh, you made it. You can relax and you can chill. And the problem is like, yeah, you made it. And becoming complacent means you will fall. Right. So now I'm like, okay, what motivated you to get you here isn't necessarily going to be enough to get you to the next place that you want to go. So right. constantly challenging yourself and like putting difficult things in, in front of you on, on purpose mm. is necessary to to get to a very, very high level. And I think most players, most people aren't willing to do that. Fair enough. All right. So if you were to be given a custom goal celebration song when you scored, what song would you choose? A song? I thought you guys were going to say uh, <laughs> celebration dance, like in FIFA, uh, in FIFA like in EA. Oh, you, you, if you want to go with a dance instead or both, <laughs> go for it. I like that one. That one's I'm good. working. I'm working on getting the I'm in your head celebration in FIFA and a mental oh. and a mental strength stat because I think it's necessary. Um, oh yeah. And theme song for when you score. Yeah, like a like yeah a, because. Uh, oh, then Russ Russ's song. Uh, Russ, Russ's song rent free. Oh, I like that song okay. rent free. And no coincidence that uh, Russ happened to get the idea for that song well after like the MSL took off. I can't wait till people start doing their research <laughs> so where all these ideas are coming from. It's going to be a fun conspiracy ride. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, oh, yeah. um, will we ever see you at a Quakes game sometime once it's safe to do so? Yeah, of course. I think if you look at, I think, what was it? Life of a Pro. I don't know which, you know, my old quick, you know, like not old Quicks fans, but Quicks fans who've been around for a while probably are aware of my life of the pro vlog that I was doing while I was there. Mm -hmm. New Quicks fan, uh, fans who may not uh, can go check that out. I, I did, um, I did a, a, like a raffle and a fun giveaway at the Smoking Pig Barbecue across the street from the stadium. Mm -hmm. Like a, uh, a raffle giveaway to do a, just like in a fan experience at the game, just awesome. uh, when I was, when I was doing my rehab from recovery, hmm. I like attend, attended the game. So recorded that as well too. So yeah, I, I enjoy that. I like that stuff. So um, yeah, once it's safe to do so, and I'm in the San Jose area, I'm definitely awesome. Definitely run up and down. Yeah. There. We'll, we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hopefully. Well, will you, uh, 
yeah, I guess all the Quakes fans that see you, you don't, we wouldn't mind if they said what's up to you. I mean, of course not. Yeah. Come on. All right. All right. I'm going to sounds good. Be like, hey, man, we talked on podcast. What's up, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, as long as you, as long as we'll take a picture and I'd yeah. go ahead, yeah, tag it so everyone can be aware. <laughs> they can come join the MSL and have some fun. Then Sounds yeah, good. I'm down. <laughs> All right. So, which uh, Quicks teammates do you still keep in contact with the most? Um, former or current? It can be. It either. can be anyone you played with. Oh, okay. Well, um, Danny Husen and I. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a good friend of mine. We we spend a lot of time. Uh, you know, because we're locker mates, as, as well as uh, Mark Pelosi, as well too. Oh yeah, yeah. I still talk to Mark a lot. Actually, was just talking with him earlier today. Well, wow. Um, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. We, well, we we uh, we started a uh, a real estate investment company. That's what, I, that's oh. what I thought. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Yeah, a crypto managed fund, so leverage investment group. We started that like three years ago, or was it almost four now? Um, we just sold our our rental portfolio. Wow. Transition a couple of other stuff. So like, yeah, um, have a really good relationship with him. We've, we've done a lot of like just random niche, like business ideas and deals, like just so much stupid stuff. Like, uh, like just, just anything. Like we're just like, uh, he's like fresh. yeah, well, he's like, a, he's a risk taker just like me. Right. Like we're very yeah. similar. So like, we like to take risk and find out for ourselves. Then, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm not sure. So, like, we're doing like hard money lending. Uh, we're obviously buying, buying, uh, buying, hold rental properties, options, yeah. um, options stuff, options trading, stock market, crypto, like, just like whatever came across that we were interested in and wanted to get a part of. We did some uh, uh, angel investing in some some startups uh one of them is uh pathwater i think pathwater is doing pretty good out in um in the bay area right yeah i just uh i moved to japan and i bought one <laughs> hey yeah. that's what's up it's all coming together right you know <laughs> it's the matrix right, right. <laughs> it's the path we're just building the matrix. We're making the culture. Like you, you know what's funny i was saying to my wife this is like the smartest idea i've ever seen and why hasn't anybody done this? And then it was there, and I guess you did it. You know, that's so funny. I was in, in, uh, involved with the guys who came came up with it early on, so we're you know we're early investors in that, and a couple of other a uh, couple of other companies and endeavors. Not everything works out, right? Like there's plenty mm-hmm. where there's a lot of money, or right, uh, or poorly you lose a lot of time. Mm-hmm. But in those, you learn a lot of lessons. So that's what's helped me, just like further refine all the things that we've been working on and doing. And it's, it's cool to see and hear some of the feedback, right? Like you're, you know, Pathwater, you're in Japan, you got it. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. It took four years for that feedback to get back to me. Right. Mm. So, okay. So this is great in terms of setting context and, and accomplishing your goals or setting out to achieve something that someone hasn't done before or um, make a name for yourself. So this is for, you know, people who are, who, who are wanting to do something. Okay. Look, we had many conversations. Uh, a, so a lot of work went into my career, my professional career to, to get to a point where I can negotiate a contract to generate enough money to then save that money and have it available and also do enough research and make connections to get to a point where I have a conversation with an individual who has an idea for a company 
right. that has the potential to do well or has potential to go to zero mm. to then make the decision to make the investment and then be patient enough to wait four years before I hear a positive imp before I hear feedback of it yeah. working from someone else. Yeah. Like when people, mm -hmm. when you're talking about context of what it takes to be successful and tying to what we're talking about in terms of the infrastructure to build and make the factory to one click that bumper sticker. Yeah. Yeah. That. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and you don't know, you know what I'm saying? So like you're operating a lot on faith and on, you know, a lot on faith and right. Right. A, a willingness to be open to the fact that you're wrong and take responsibility. And then when you realize you're wrong, optimize and refine your process and try again, but course, yeah. just keep, you know what I mean? Keep trying, keep trying, fail, mistake, Yeah. recognize, self-reflect, keep moving forward. So, um, the willingness to make mistakes too, right? Cause then you learn from them. Yes. And to engage right. in conversation. Cause look, if, okay, now think about this. <laughs> take it even deeper. Yeah. You guys are passionate about the quakes. You've been involved with them for a while. I'm sure you guys have had multiple conversations and spent a lot of time about coming up with the podcast. Even before then, you did a lot of work to learn audio engineering and producing. Right. So that made the skill set to be able to pull it off. Then you guys started doing it. Then you started publishing it. Then you started reaching out to people. Right. Then eventually you connected with me. Right. Then we scheduled a time. Yeah. Then we came together. Now we're having the conversation. And then you did research. And now you're asking me questions. And yeah. because I'm sharing my experience with you and I'm sharing, you know, operating in good, goodwill and good faith and space, kind of like oh. that. Those <laughs> we end mm -hmm. up making the connection back to Pathwater, right? Which is a company that we're involved in. And you see the connection back to Mark. And that's why I'm like, for me, I'm going like, yo, humanity, we are, we're humanity. We're all interconnected. We're yeah. just, we're just unaware of how we're connected. That's really all it is. Yeah, and definitely. Yeah, if we have enough conversations with each other, you will eventually find a connection, even with the person you hate mm. deeply, that you think is the dumbest person or doesn't know what they're talking about or, or is in direct opposition to you. Mm -hmm. Can find right. a connection if you guys spend enough time together. Yep. You have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to engage. And um, okay. not everybody's willing to do that which is again why I come back to saying, I appreciate you guys. I, I, oh. I value what you're doing. I love the opportunity you're, 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 you're affording me and um, I'm, I'm appreciative of it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we're here for. I mean, we're an outlet and we want to, your voice needs to be heard. I mean, it's pretty evident with us here that you are very knowledgeable and you know a lot and we're glad we can be a platform for you and for your podcast as well. Awesome, brother. Yeah. All right. So what else have we got? Or yeah. I gonna you guys for like part three yeah no worries uh, uh, we have a little bit more about your time after the quakes and then uh some fan questions it's okay if we want to go to part we, we can schedule another day i apologize we, we no, might have gone, uh, no 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 it's okay i mean I've, I've got some time right now so it's, it's okay, okay. I, yeah. Uh, yeah what we'll do is i'll probably break it up and we'll just keep we'll keep uh filming and then we'll just knock it all out okay all right cool all right so let's talk a little bit about your time after the quakes. So any, um, so this is another funny question, any restaurants or point of interest in some other cities that you played in? So anything that really stuck out to you from the other tag cities that you played in? Tag restaurant in Denver, Colorado. Ooh. <laughs> okay. And why, why is that? On, is it on market in 22nd or market in 20th, I think? 
or Larimer and 20th, something like that. Tag restaurant. Yes. Okay. And if you guys go there, if everybody who goes there, tell them, I'm in your head. Give, give me anything on the menu because everything is amazing on it. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, Denver's definitely a place I want to go to. Okay, definitely check it out. Like, mm-hmm. speaking, of, uh, speaking of not knowing how to communicate properly to people at a time, I tried my hardest to uh, convince, persuade, like sell my teammates and my, the, my, my, my roommates and guys there on buying the condominium that we were living in or the one like two doors down from it. Mm. Because I was just like, dude, Denver is a gem. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way people don't won't want to end up coming here. And now, when I went back, there's so much traffic. Like, it, it's turned into a lot of people are there. Mm. Like a lot, but still go to Tag Restaurant. Okay. Sure. Um, and then I think down the street from it, I won't even say the other the other restaurants because that that one hundred percent that's the best. not worth it. <laughs> yeah. Like, so good. Or at least for me, uh, me and my my wife Serena, um, our first experience there was amazing, and like every subsequent experience has always been really great. Obviously, the first time is always like the best and amazing, right. but mm-hmm. really good. Like to the point, like sometimes we we, we think about, uh, you know, when you can find like a ninety nine dollar like last minute ticket uh, direct flight on like a Southwest or something like that, just to fly there for the day to eat dinner. Uh, we haven't done it yet, but we've seriously considered it. So, oh, sorry. That's also making me think I'm totally overselling it to the point that people won't believe it and they're not going to do it. Right. And, uh, yeah, I realized that I did that to my roommates. So Andre, Ross, Stu, Jojo, all these guys, because we, I had such an amazing experience there and I wouldn't stop talking about it. They being the, you know, the, the house of just competitive alpha males like who just want to just crap on each other all the time right. literally said like yeah yeah awesome let's go we're not going there so they've like <laughs> made a point for like two years to not go so we, we'd always like walk by and be like oh dude Quincy it's tag yeah we should totally go yeah we're not mm-hmm. going there. So let's go <laughs> let's go <laughs> right so they 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 were missing out right yeah um, right I remember eventually on a random day, I think once they realized like I was completely over ever like it at all and they could tell like it, it didn't affect me anymore. Then they're like, all right, Hey, let's go. Let's actually like, let's go. And we went, they're <laughs> like, wow. That was really, really good. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. What type of food is it? I, I couldn't describe what it is, but they've got like, so like they've got these sliders where they have like duck fat French fries with like oh, brown wow. sugar. super good. Like, I don't know what that would fall under. And they right. Have like, they've got like cod. They've got this cod. Pl- I, literally, I, I think like the menu is kind of always changing, but mm. but um, you literally order anything on the menu and it's good. So when I'm there, I'm literally trying anything, just like whatever. And then they have this like, um, we're spending a lot of time about this. It's almost like, <laughs> no well, that's okay. Well, I almost feel like I need to call them and get equity in this place because right. I'm going like, that and UC them. Davis. Yes. Uh, that <laughs> cut me a check tag and UC Davis. I better get a check in the mail. Um, uh, Have you thought about going back to UC Davis and like becoming like a, you know, like an alumni that's like involved or basically? In what capacity? 
because you're one of the alumni probably to make it pro there, or maybe one of the only ones, right? Oh, you mean like with the, with the team? Right. That's what I'm saying, like to, to do what, to be a professor of um, mental strength? Of mental strength and stuff. you could i mean uh, i would think more like <laughs> come in to speak someday for the team talk about like mental toughness things like that i like that yeah, yeah. I think good that, idea fabi they, they need to come and cut cut that check bring me in bro let's go <laughs> yeah all right yeah. yeah you should i mean that's that's the stage where it's basically all about mental toughness right when you have to maybe a little earlier maybe high school but Hey, every stage in life that's why we, we focus on it because it's, it's applicable to everybody we're upgrading the mentality software of humanity mm. one mm-hmm. conversation at a time that's why I, uh, I, well my main talk and what i what i do is the three s's of self-awareness talk so if if people have not become bored with hearing me talk and would like to know more about how to develop the mentality and kind of like what i do talk about if uc davis was liking would want me to come in and do a talk uh, you go to perfectsoccerskills.com slash SSS. Um, I do the three S's of self-awareness talk. I did that last year at Bill Hamid's soccer camp, and we we at least got a little bit of recording of that. So, Wow. I'm very Great. much – I'm open to public speaking, and I'm, I'm available for that. So, All right, cool. Uh, so along with San Jose and, Ber- and Bakersfield, of course, you lived and played in cities such as Toronto, Denver, Chicago, Montreal, Washington, D.C., and now Las Vegas. Uh, was, do you have a favorite city or stadium that you enjoyed playing in or favorite place to live? Um, I enjoy – I always find something I love about every city that I'm in. And I mm. also find something I absolutely hate and it's not fun and enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> so think, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the hate ones. Which ones do you hate? Uh, <laughs> oh, well, no. Uh, well, I, I – I might have I might have hated while there, but appreciated after because there's a there's a less there's been a lesson learned in every single place that I've been, but mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed, so, so, oh, sounds like my son got in trouble. He's going on timeout. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, and it it depends on like the time in life and who is there and the team and stuff. But I I really enjoyed my time in Colorado. I really mm, okay. I really loved living in Colorado. Um, especially at that time, it was it was affordable. You had access to everything. We could walk to like Rocky Stadium, even though I didn't necessarily like baseball. Uh, going was cool, you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You could walk to Nuggets. I'd watch. We'd go and watch a lot of the Denver Nuggets games. Wow. Uh, uh, you could walk if you wanted. You could walk to the Bronco Stadium. Um, wow. You had you had the there's like a theme park that's right next to the Bronco Stadium that's downtown. You had the aquarium that was downtown. That's a lot of um, stuff. Really cool. Like there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff in, in Denver. I really, I really enjoyed my time in Denver. Uh, you had tag restaurant, right? So uh, <laughs> uh, that was, that was dope. Then I, I really loved uh, Chicago. Okay. Um, I loved old town for like a year and a half. And then I was in South loop and in, I mean, in Chicago, that's where, you know, I did Quincy time, which was awesome uh, with, uh, uh, I didn't live with, but I was roommates with Sean Johnson. I was also roommates with Mike McGee, you know, on the road and stuff oh, like Mike that. Mike McGee, yeah. Uh, town, uh, Alec Can, um, Russell Bowe was back there during that time because uh, he's from Chicago originally, and we played together in, in Colorado. Um, I mean, that time was really, I mean, that was a great time. Um, 
Toronto was dope. I wasn't there for too long, but I was living on King Street. And because when I got there originally, the two guys had got cut from the team. They were living in a super baller apartment. So Toronto was already paying for it for the rest of the year. So then I like finagled away where I got to stay there in this like dope two, two bedroom apartment that I definitely could have never afforded at that point in time. Wait, so how do they, um, how does that happen? Like when Toronto was like, we'll just buy this, buy this baller apartment for this super stud and, or something. So, well that, so each contract you technically can negotiate whatever terms that you want. Right. But DPs tend to get stuff that other people never have access to. Right. So right. like, there's some players who get houses paid for for them, but you're not supposed to say anything about that. So just <laughs> really oh, wow. Oh man. Oh gosh. Oh, Quincy's shared all the secrets. What's going to happen? <laughs> Wait, so okay. So I'm saying all contracts are negotiable, right? So everyone says there's rules, but everyone does whatever it is that they want to do right. until they get caught or don't get caught. Or they do get caught, and then they just say, well, it doesn't matter. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> LA Galaxy needs another DP. Oh, oh there's another DP. Yeah. Uh, now we're at four DPs. There, there's TAM. There's GAMP. Now there's extra reallocation money. Now there's extra – you know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's all right. It's all made-up stuff to justify whatever it is that they, they well, want to do. We'll give Chicharito this base salary of 200K. Keep him under the DP line, but give him 20 houses <laughs> in LA. All right. And we'll, yeah, we'll do a side deal with this other company. He's going to pay. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. Right. It is what it is. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just, the yeah. main thing I'm saying, like, hey, I'm, the, what I talk about a lot is like, if you're going to complain about when things don't go well, then you also have to complain about, or yeah, if you're always complaining about how things are unfair to your disadvantage, you also have to complain about when things are unfair to your advantage. Right. So I'm here saying like, hey, all of that, I'm not complaining because I happened to finagle my way into a really dope spot while I was in Toronto. Yeah. Right. So that was cool. Um, enjoyed my, enjoyed my time there. Toronto really has had all the elements and stuff uh, at that time and still do right. Like Mm -hmm. stadium fans, um, investment in terms of, you know, like money, like everything that you need to have a a really run well run organization. Um, Montreal, I really enjoyed my time there. Very family friendly. That's where I, you know, my wife, my son, uh, they they loved it or was awesome. just uh uh the the club provides housing for the players there wow. which was really cool so um so that's awesome yeah. right uh the dollar the exchange rate is better oh okay. so <laughs> right so you're saving money there like other people aren't necessarily thinking about all the types of you know what i mean like cost of living is a little bit lower but also right. the money that you make per dollar is there you might lose more money on taxes, but because you're an out-of-state resident, if you do your taxes appropriately, you can get some of that back the following year. Mm-hmm. Like these are all the little things that you learn, but most people, um, I'm sharing that because like maybe if you didn't yeah. know that, it helped yeah, you. We, I yeah. didn't know that. Not yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, Toronto for that. Uh, New York, though I wasn't there that long, I was staying with Medi Bellucci at that time. Mm. Okay. For those two weeks, and I knew Medi from San Jose Earthquakes. Right. Uh, Day, so earthquakes player um and i really really loved my experience at new york like i was only there for like two and a half or three weeks but i felt as though i was a part of that club for at least a year wow like the connections and the bond and that that environment was really dope i really i really enjoyed that hmm. uh, speak very I, like i was there, i was officially signed for like one day but <laughs> i probably have talked a lot of praise about the new york red bulls in terms of my experience there yeah uh, 
uh, was the class of the of the club, definitely. Yeah, yeah at the time, or maybe more so, more so just the the guys in that locker room. Mm. I couldn't speak too much to the organization stuff because I wasn't a part of the organization so long. But the but the kitmen and the the locker room and the guys there at that time, it was it was dope. Now, when I was coming back, the next time my experience with them was very very horrible and terrible, and I I won't go into any too much details on that, but that's where I say like, you take it with a grain of salt, you know right. what I mean? Like at the time it was really good. And then when I came back, it was really bad. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, we have time. <laughs> oh, no, well, I think I told you guys in the last one, um, the reason why I went and signed with Toronto is because I spoke with Hans Baca. I was going to be the fourth, you know what I mean? Like the fourth yeah. there and the starter there. And the idea was, Hey, my contract's up at the end of the year. I'll go play in Toronto. Then I'll come back and I'll just resign with New York. Right. And it right. made, that's the plan. I connected with the guys really well. It was really great. That's what I was telling you. I was like, everything was awesome. Uh, then, uh, you know, uh, Paul Mariner uh, got released and became oh, a right. podcaster. I came back. Mike Pecky became the head coach, mm. right? And um, Hans Baca had gotten fired, right? And yeah. then when I'm, com- when I'm coming back the secondary time, some stuff was promised to me that that was to get me there in the first place. Then that's what I'm saying. Like it turns into all that kind of stuff. And now you're going like, yeah. okay, but you're also realizing like different people are at different stages in their experience. And right. Right. So all learning lessons. So I'm going through basically every single place. Right. Um, San Jose wasn't on that list. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause well, I'm coming back around to the second time on San Jose. Oh, okay. 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 Through each one, Cause I said Chicago, but I was in Toronto and I'm thinking Montreal's closer. So now I'm going back over to the West Coast because the first time you guys already heard, we weren't at the highest level or anything like that. Yeah. We trained like a place on the other side. But to me at that time, hey, it's amazing. <laughs> right, right. Everything's amazing. Uh, the second time I come back, uh, uh, I'm I'm there towards the last six months of my my contract, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm joining I'm joining the Quakes for the last 17 games of the year. I, uh, during that time, because you never know, right. You're out of contract. You're trying to play out that contract and you're taking a risk in doing that. But I was betting on myself at that point in time. And, um, uh, I was, I was living in the corner of Sana and Innocent's room. So shout out Sana Nayasi and Innocent Imagara, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. They live on Santana Row, um, in a, in a building on Santana Row. So they lived in like a two bedroom apartment and there was a, maybe I'll find a picture of what my room was, but there was like a corner of the room about the size of a closet. And I put like a twin size bed on it. And oh, that's awesome. Things up. And I just, uh, I was, that's how I was living, um, saving money and playing for the quakes for those last 17 games, uh, and preparing for my, uh, postseason negotiations. Cause I was representing myself at the time. Mm. So 17 games, 17 starts, I think six goals, four assists, like two or three penalties draw, drawn that results in a goal. And then that's when I had signed the longer term deal um, with the Quakes. Um, so the Quakes then, didn't offer to even pay for housing at all. You had to like be like, you had to walk into that organization, organization and say, hey, like what's going on? Like, who am I going to live with? You had to be really friendly, right? Well, I know, I know Sana. So this is what I'm talking about in terms of I've played with hundreds and hundreds of teammates, right? So when you right. show up in a locker room, there's typically a guy that I've played with or I know. I, I know yeah, right? that's good. Sano, Sano's in the locker room 
then. And when you're first getting traded to a team, uh, when you get traded to a team, they have to pay for your moving expenses for your oh, wow. stuff across uh, across the uh, across wherever it's at. Yeah. And you got two weeks. You've got two weeks in a hotel and like twenty. Was it no? Twenty-one days in a hotel and two weeks of a rental car. Wow. Right. So, so in those twenty-one days, you're in a hotel. You're learning the area. You're figuring things out. You're finding your place that you're going to rent or where you're going to live and stuff. Right. Right. But I've done it so many mm-hmm. times. I know what to do. I know where I'm at. And yeah. in that time, uh, you know, I'm talking, Sana's asking me where I'm living and what I'm doing. And I'm like, I'm thinking about this or that, but San Jose, as you guys know, is extremely expensive. Right. And that, yeah. that, my contract's going to be up in a couple of months. I don't want to sign a long-term lease somewhere. Yeah. And then I'm out of contract. I have no income and nothing coming in, but I have to, I have to make payment. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no, I think that's one thing that most people aren't fully understanding. Like it's, there's so much uncertainty because the moment you sign a contract, a year contract means six months later, you already are thinking about where you're moving and how you're doing it and what's happening. Cause yeah, that's true. Right. So like if you're planning ahead, which I'm always trying to beat the drum for these guys to do, um, they won't think about that. They'll sign a year lease. Oh, it's guaranteed. I'm going to sign. I'm going to do amazing while I'm here and then I'm going to sign a big, huge contract and then everything's going to be okay. Right. But like, my approach is saying like, well, I'm going to do all the work to make that happen, but I don't want to be here at the end of the road. Cause I've, I've been at the end of the road enough times where I've done everything, everything you're supposed to do, all the stuff you check all the boxes and the person still tells you, thanks, but get out of here. Right. Uh, yeah. So he had offered and yeah, he had said, bro, don't get a place. Just like, look, put a bed, look, put a twin bed there. And innocent was wow. like, yeah, same. So like dope. So that's the, you know, that's the African connection. So, mm. you know, like, so innocence, Nigerian, um, uh, Sana's Gam- Gambian. And I also knew Sana from my time at Colorado and like, that's, yeah, no, that's like, yeah, the African connection and the, yeah. there is very, is very nice of them and I really appreciated it. And what was, what was great about that is um, I'm staying there. And then at the end of the year, Sana ended up moving on, but he had his lease that he was still having to do for the next six months following the year. So because he had helped me out during that time, that's where I transitioned and moved into his room. Right. And then uh, covered his, uh, uh, covered his portion of rent until he figured out his next move. So like, you know, you, you build connections, friends, you're yeah. sometimes high, sometimes you're low. It's, um, yeah, man, that's just what yeah. it is. So, so, you lived was, with, so you lived with innocent for the rest of your time at the quakes. I'm sorry. I'm reading this. Yeah. So yeah, Shut you up. no worries. So you lived with innocent for the rest of the time you were with the quakes. Uh, so I was, yeah, so I was with, so I was with innocent until their lease was up mm. and and then, um, and then what? Yeah. Innocent ended up going back to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his time here, uh, came up with, with every player for different reasons. Um, and then we, my wife and I moved, um, okay. Well, why was it my, where was it? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I was trying to make sense. But my wife was, in uh, Escondido at that time. So we had our place oh, okay. outside of San Diego. And I was like, right. why would you be with me in San Jose? And that's why, because I was living in the corner of that room, right? But she'd come and visit. The two of us would just be laying in the oh. bed, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, 
But sacrifice, that, man. You gotta just like you gotta. You don't know. It's uncertainty. Right. It's the life of mm-hmm. the planet. Yes. And once, so I, uh, in the off season, I was back in Escondido. We ended up. I ended up negotiating my contract, my deal with San Jose. Yeah. And when we came back, we we found a we found a townhome close to Santana Row there. That was was awesome. We really enjoyed it. Really liked it. Really close to the facilities. You know, like five minute drive to the facilities. Yeah. You could walk in a row. Family and friends could come. My sister Kristen played for San Jose State, so that was really cool. Mm. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, for me to be there while she was playing. So like, I, you know, you saying like, hey, you left out San Jose. So hey, I've been mm-hmm. in, I've been here a long time. Got a lot of experiences. I'm getting back to. I'm getting to San Jose. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so that was that was a really great time. Uh, Danny. Uh, Husen and his wife lived close by, so that was really cool. And then Mark, that's really cool. Mark was there as well, and we were working on our on our other stuff. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, I looked at it as fortunately. Um, I blow, blew my knee out, right, um, and that created a, a brand new dynamic and experience that, yeah, resulted in a lot of growth and understanding, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, so that's why I said there's like good times and then like really bad times. Right. Good times like so, it was up and down. Um, it was up and down. By the time I came back from the injury, uh, the coaching staff, tech, everyone who was there when I when who brought me in was gone. Yeah. Um, I wasn't thought of or considered a part of the you know the plan. So when I came back, mm-hmm. it's like I'm throwing a wrench into everything. You know. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that created its own issues and stuff that I learned a lot from, and then the trade to Montreal. Yeah, and right. so I guess kind of on the on the ball of transfers, and you got eventually transferred over DC United. So with at DC United, where you're, how was it playing with like a legend that's Wayne Rooney, right? How was it? Playing? Arguably the biggest name player that you played with in your career. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, he'd be the biggest name player that I played with in my career. Um, mm-hmm. It was a great experience, man. Like there are things that make players professional, right? Mm. And I really enjoy getting to learn and understand those aspects of players, mm. right? And, um, you know, I'll say today, I'll speak very highly of Wayne till the end of time. Um, he is an individual who I believe is a, extremely genuine and, um yeah i'm trying to think about i'm trying to think best way to just to describe him in the sense of like he's one he's he's the one player that i played with where i'm just like yeah i understand finally i met a guy you know what i mean who understands me in terms of you know what i mean like yeah he's crazy yeah, I'm crazy too. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we're crazy. But like, this makes sense, right? And it's like, yeah, what? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it, right? But when I get to, when I'm, when I'm saying in terms of like his genuine nature and approaches is I'm going like, okay, I see, I can see his skill. I can see how he views the game. I can see like right. his ability. And I'm going like, okay, I understand from that. That's he's the result of the system that he came from, right? Right. So right. Like, he's the accumulation of 
all the experiences he had going through the system, all the teachings, all the learnings, all the tactics that he was exposed to, right? And then on top of that, the talent that is him and his work ethic and the work that he put into being where he got to. And now I'm here seeing it, right, in real time. Right. And it, that means I'm also getting to download that experience and that information, you know what I mean, and that perspective and, right. and uh, around it day to day, you know? So, um, like, that's one aspect just on, on the playing side. But on the human side, like most people would be of the mindset and thinking like someone who is at that level, who is that high, doesn't need to interact with people, doesn't need to care, doesn't need to build to build, uh, build a relationship or develop connections or talk yeah. to people or give his time or share his time. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but I'm someone who I'm someone who greatly appreciates that and values that. And I think that that is a very genuine um, characteristic of him that I don't think it's something that's, that he has to do. You know what I mean? I, I, right. Like he chooses to. And uh, where I very much like empathize with him a lot and is in terms of like doing that creates a lot of issues and problems for yourself that you don't mm -hmm. have to partake in, which is why I appreciate it so much more, right? Like, so he came and joined in on the Ask the Soccer Pro show back earlier in the year, right? Like we had our time together at DC, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, we're locker mates. Even if you don't, you, you kind of, to, to a degree, you have to, right? You have right. to mm -hmm. interact stuff, but he didn't have to speak on right. behalf of players. He didn't have to attend union meetings um, with uh, right. MLSPA. Like, I, I've had teammates and, and players I've played with for years who've been in MLS the whole time who haven't attended any. And you're talking about this is one of the greatest players of all time who's here. He cares wow. enough about the American system to attend MLSPA meetings and have conversations and try to understand to make public statements on his platform in support of players and looking for players' rights and trying to wow. point out the ways in which players are taken advantage of because the, the league can just do that. Like wow. he didn't have to do that. Yeah. He didn't have to. And that's why I look like at a guy like his locked on who came here like a leech on all of this and right. tried to do all this. But that's why I put him in my little back pocket, like a small little child. <laughs> rent free oh man's head still in his head and if you want to be like oh you're still talking about that you still talking about that you still talking about that yeah you mean the fact that i shut this man down msl's greater than mls this guy said he was the mls and he met the msl and i creeped into <laughs> his head i creeped into his into his head and made him bed and then just set up camp and then we started building infrastructure and skyscrapers and we're just giving out rent free to everybody yeah still talking about that because we're still building there Mm -hmm. It's still free, and it will be free forever. So I'm, in your, I'm in your head, and you know it. All right. 100% uh, of the time, he's lost to me. So think about that. Think about that. Everyone says, oh, but he's been this, he's won this, and he's gone here, and he's done that. And it's like, okay, so he's gone all those places. He's done all those things, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And then he went up against me, and he lost. So that means I beat all them. So what do I need to go? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's rock, right. paper, scissors. There we go. I win. There we go. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. All right. So what uh, was the question? What were we talking about? How was so, it like bring Wayne Rooney? But you explained it. Uh, it was very oh, but that's what I'm saying. So like for me, that's how uh, – and so sorry. So like tying it together for me, yeah. that's what I'm saying. That's how much I appreciate him and what he did because he came and he invested in us. He right. saw how we were taken advantage of, and he didn't take advantage of the players, right? Right. That kind of, I could see how that 
affected him. It makes it difficult and hard because you're, you're seeing what it is. You're, you're acknowledging it, right? You're processing it. Right. Whereas the other spectrum is exploiting it and taking advantage and investing nothing, just right. being a leech, which is why I speak so highly of Wayne and, yeah. I'm, and I'm in the head of Zlatan and he's a small child in my back pocket. That's the, the spectrum of it. That's why I appreciate it. I speak highly of him until the end of time. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate what he did, and I don't think most people will understand what he did and how he helped and advocated on behalf of players mm. uh, in the U.S. soccer system for several years. Um, but I will do my part to make sure people know and people understand. And when I have an opportunity like this to speak on it, I, you know, I speak very highly of him awesome. because he didn't have to. Yeah, and that's why it's so it's so massive in my opinion. But sorry, I know that guy. Yeah. That was, if if was if Wayne is listening to this, nah. <laughs> I don't know how Zlatan is able to play in AC Milan in Italy when he's in your pocket, but I guess he can teleport. But anyway, that was a fun answer. Look, look. Here's the deal, right? When you're playing FIFA, when you're playing FIFA. Are you in the game controlling the guy, or you just got a controller sitting here doing it remotely from outside the TV? Oh. <laughs> when you're up in outer space, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Controlling remotely via satellite, right? So I'm tapping into this man's brain. <laughs> That's how I do it. But yeah, but I appreciate that. That was a good question. Like yeah. That. No, thank you. <laughs> All right, so the next question is, uh, what, what did you most look forward to in your return with Las Vegas Lights FC? Other than, obviously, like you get to play more soccer, what was it about this particular experience that seemed promising to you? I think the, the approach of the owner. Like, mm-hmm. he's, not afraid, he's not afraid to have his brand of him and mm. his team what he's doing and um i wanted to see what that's about okay so i was interested and uh i mean yeah yeah were you were you getting any other offers from any other teams that you were possibly thinking of too yeah so like there's always like little rumblings here and there and i talk about it on the show so like nothing's real until there's a contract in hand or a contract offered or right or whatever and just like we talked about like the pros of being in montreal right like hey you get more money on the conversion but also if you convert back to dollars you lose more money in the taxes and stuff like that like sometimes you're getting an offer but when you add it all up you're not making any money or you're losing money Mm. right get part of it and and not all offers are good offers or not all offer you know what i'm saying And, and we're also in the middle of a pandemic so like the fundamental way in which clubs and organizations were changing how they make decisions happened in the middle of my free agency year as well too so like conversations that were being had now are completely like off the table and then at my age on paper then the focus goes now to younger because now all the clubs you think about all the clubs and organizations have been probably spending way more money than they should have and they can point to a bunch of times they made investments that didn't pan out and didn't play out so now there's more accountability coming from top down, like owners saying like, listen, you can't just be spending all this money. You need to justify where the money's going and why. And as that starts happening, owners start to look at it more from an investment perspective 
which now means they want a time horizon for a return on their investment. They see right. the players at the investment of their money. The older you get, the less time they see to recoup. And if they're only looking at it a dollar perspective, players like me start to not be as um, valued. Right. But if you see that coming and you're predicting for that, then you can also prepare for that, knowing that they'll overcorrect because that's right. usually what happens. And there's massive value in the American veteran player because of their access to experience and their perspective. Yeah, right. definitely in MLS. Yes. And, and in USL. Correct. US, yes, MLS and USL. And, and the more guys you squeeze out because it, it's not affordable for them to play, they go into other industries, other, other, other paths of life, right? Mm -hmm. If you're noticing, or I don't know if people are noticing, um, yet, uh, when you're seeing like the, the 28 to thirties, especially at this time, uh, 26, 27 year olds to like 31, we're like all retiring early. If you started noticing like, Hey, there's a bunch of guys that are just retiring, right. Kind of before like a Harry ship retired, um, right. who else retired in Houston? Like there's this, um, what was his, what was his name? I think, he, anyway, my mm -hmm. main point is guys see that there's no future, no path. So they're going like, spend two years, three years doing this mm -hmm. or spend or cut my losses now and go put two or three years and have some more resume in another industry for post-career and stuff. Yeah. So um, I say all that to really say that just because they don't value it and they're not investing in it doesn't mean it's not valuable and vitally important mm -hmm. and, and won't give you a massive advantage. But the, the thing is, you have to be available and ready when that time happens. Right. So you're outlasting your competition. <laughs> right. So when you ask me, like, well, what did you see with this and where you at? I was like, well, I, I see a, a, an owner who's not afraid to try new things and not, not have to fit whatever predefined cookie cutter stuff that you know, the U S soccer system has decided is the only metric of success, the only metric of value, the only metric of, you know, whatever. So, right. um, yeah, that's why, that's where I'm at. I really got a great experience been here for, for a little while and we'll see what, what comes of this or everything coming into next year. Perfect. Right. Uh, what do you think of the, way that this USL season was organized essentially was an expanded version of what the MLS's back tournament attempted to do, where they split every uh, team into eight groups of four or five teams each. And then the top two from each group, like the World Cup, they advanced to the playoffs. And then the playoffs have begun as normal as of last weekend. And do you think that the growth of USL could lead could increase conversations surrounding promotion and relegation. Okay, I can't. You threw a whole bunch of stuff in there, making it seem like <laughs> a simple question that we can answer in thirty seconds. But uh, I understand what you're asking, and mm -hmm. hopefully, I try to make it more concise. Uh, right. I think it 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 says an awful lot that USL was able to continue to play through a pandemic. Do I think it should have being here and seeing where it's at? Like, eh, right. Like 
That's de- that's debatable, but I'll only say debatable because I haven't spent enough time to fully understand the history, the under the, the financials, and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, right. yeah, that'd be I'd, I'd be speculating, and it's it's a guess because I I couldn't honestly say. Um, but what I can say is that USL, the level and standard of USL, is today is higher than the standard of MLS when I came back in two thousand nine. Right. So wow. Like, okay. Yeah. So like when I'm here with the guys on the road, so it's, it's kind of like coming full circle again. Right. I'm going like, okay, I'm right. starting back over. Hey, I'm in the USL level. Here's all these guys, 20 to 24 years old, some 26, 27, uh, haven't really made it or spent a year or two at the MLS level, but have been at the USL level. And then other guys who are just coming out of college and now like this is their first professional run at it. You're also seeing what they're complaining about, what they think the standard should be or is or isn't, and what should work and doesn't, and how. Right. Mm. But you get to see what they're saying. Yeah. In the locker room, having you know the over decades experience at the at the level that many are wanting to get to, and be at. Right. So right. everyone has yeah. an idea as to what it takes to get there and what it takes for them and why they have or haven't made it and all that. And it's interesting to hear. Um, but the one thing that I shared with them and told them is I said, look, you guys, we have a chartered bus taking us. Yeah. Okay. We're driving four hours to go to a game and we should be flying. Right. But we have a chartered bus. Like I was, we're driving vans and we had to drive the vans ourselves when we were starting. Yeah. You know? So like there's very high quality food that is being uh, given. And you're also saying we're in the middle of a pandemic and this is the standard. Right. You know I mean, so it's not, I know it's not the highest of standards, but I'm going like, there's no fans in the stadium. There's no income being generated by the, by the organization. Right. It's not like right. USL has a huge, massive TV deal. You know, I'm saying all things considered and we're still, we still have a lot of the things that we have, which is just as much, if not more than what we had when I was with Quakes back in 2009. Wow. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm saying like, that's a huge testament to how far we've come in soccer in America. Like, yeah. Yeah, so I come back thinking that similar to my first experience at Quakes, like tying it in a circle, like, wow, whoa, it's whoa again, because I'm like, wow, it's farther along than when I started. Right. This is the second tier. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, wow, this is amazing. Like, this is is dope. So I'm getting to go, I'm getting to experience it from like a different perspective this time and a higher level of understanding. specific to then, then tying that into what you're you're expressing with regard to pro uh promotion relegation mm-hmm. I right. a hybrid model of pro rel makes the most sense to make it work but i mm-hmm. do not believe that that will come anytime soon mm-hmm. uh, of course not. yeah because it just doesn't make business sense i don't even think it should come even though i think a hybrid oh. model of pro rel should come I don't think it should come anytime soon because, because the market hasn't matured to the point to be able to sustain that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. yeah. like you're, to do that and introduce it means you're completely undercutting a lot of owners who've come in and invested a lot of money in infrastructure and franchise fees. I mean, it doesn't right. mean that I agree with the single entity system and how it works or how it functions. Right. But right. I do believe it was necessary for us to get here because how could you deny, how could you deny the results of what's happening? And then that right. takes us into a 
and do the ends justify the means and all that kind of stuff. The philosophical debate we could have <laughs> at the end of the day. The point is it happened. It's here. It's single entity. This is where we're at. It is better than when we started. Has it been on the backs and taking advantage of many players to get here? Yes. We right. need to acknowledge that. And that's the problem when we don't acknowledge it. Right. And me acknowledging it and being a player who is, who's had many experiences to see how we've been taken advantage of. And I can articulate that and explain that to individuals. Right. It's standing here saying that pro rail is something that I think makes sense. Once there's enough uh, money from huge sponsors that are throwing in because uh, throwing in to do that. Cause even talking with Wayne, that's where I'm learning about like parachute parachute money. When you fall from the prem down to, uh, the championship and all that kind of stuff. Like there's, there's oh, mechanism. Yes. So there you go. Like parachute money. So there's like, there's a lot of stuff. People say pro rail. So, okay. So you invest 300 millions in Nashville to franchise the team. And everyone knows that most expansion teams don't do too well. And that's only going to probably be more the case unless you're like an LAFC who right. is super experienced, right. Has a huge budget. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Now you're saying like, put 300 million and all that stuff in there. And then now, cause you didn't make, make it. Now you're dropping down to the USL level and you're competing at the USL level outside this thing. Just like, that's why I said, this is a heavy yeah. question. Yeah. No right. worries. Yeah. yeah it is yeah. tough to get through everything, but I just want to get a little bit of a sense of how you feel that this league is doing. And I feel like, you have answered what I was looking for in that you saying that USL championship, the division that you play in with the Las Vegas lights, it's level of soccer now is at the level of MLS was in 2009 shows mm -hmm. how incredibly well that this league has grown. And I think it shows that with the right set of circumstances, maybe it has to be like a big bang sort of thing that for it to happen in the near future Yes. that there could be promotion and relegation possible. And that's what I believe. The more I follow the USL, especially maybe I'm a little bit biased because I live in San Diego and we got a USL team. Yep. But um, I do think that the possibility of promotion and relegation is there. It'll take a lot of work, but I'm definitely not in the camp of like, oh, the United States will never allow promotion relegation to happen because the NFL does things like this and NBA does things like that and NHL and all these things. But, um, yeah, thank you for that. And Before we some... get into the fan questions, um, I looked up the tag restaurant in Colorado on, and it's a sushi restaurant with American food as well. So I guess it's like American sushi fusion, Japanese fusion, right? Okay, so that's why I was like, I couldn't describe it because I wouldn't say like, I wasn't there ordering. I know they have like some sushi dishes, but yeah, the main courses and stuff isn't sushi. So right, it's like fish and and like yeah, yep, so good. Yeah, it looked good. That's for sure. <laughs> for it's all you guys awesome. listening, right. <laughs> look it up. Today's episode is sponsored by Tag Restaurant. Yeah, UC <laughs> Davis. <and laughs> so. UC Davis and uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna work on getting you know Quincy Ameriqua to speak at UC Davis's graduation. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, all right, well that wraps it up for us today. Yeah. I wanna I wanna thank you, Quincy, for your time. Um, thank I you so thank much you for all your insight and everything that you that you 
got it for us. And I truly do appreciate that. Um, we'll definitely, yeah. we'll ask you to be on many more times if you have the time for us. Right. Of course. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Let me know the, the feedback from this. And uh, I'm glad to, I'm glad that we got to um, wrap everything up again. Apologize on. How no, no uh, trust me. don't, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad for who you are. Quincy. Come on. Oh, never that. Never that. Yeah. All right. Well, we yeah. Thank that. you. Go Quakes, right? So we'll see how they do tonight. Go Quakes. But we awesome. appreciate it. Take care, Quincy.